goodness. It is high noon on a Wednesday. It's time for the AltaCast here on MutinyRadio.fm. My co-host Latoya, the Sheriff of Truth, dear God, let her be in today. Oh, please. All the cats in heaven, I, I ask you all now, please, bring Latoya here to Mutiny Radio so we can talk about all crazy things that are going on. We've missed each other for the last couple weeks. Last week, we got Steve Poggi, old dumb face himself, to call in. That was great. Got to catch up with him. I complained about menopause a little. It was a fun show. It was difficult. Latoya wasn't around. I hope she's here today. We, uh, we're still lacking Wi-Fi Wi-Fi here at the station, which is crazy. I have no idea why. I've restarted the, all the bu- buttons and bells and whistles multiple times, but nothing is working. So, geez, if you're out there and listening, live streaming, please give me a call at 415-550-0511 and tell me, yes, indeed, everything's working. It's fine. Don't worry. Everything will be okay. I'm sure it will. I, I'm sure that everything that will eventually happen. Someone will press a button somewhere and everything will work. I don't. It's magic. It's magic. Uh, things that I wanted to talk about today. We'll see what Latoya brings to the table when she arrives. Probably coffee. She usually brings coffee to the table. Uh, but the Snoop Martha Stewart special. The Martha Snoop potluck, they're hilarious, and I was watching a video about them, and people were saying, what an unlikely pairing these two are, and it's like, no, once Martha went to jail, she was OG as fuck, and of course, of course Snoop Dogg loves her, who doesn't love Martha Stewart, it's gonna be my next tattoo, it's gonna be a big portrait of Martha Stewart, with her prison number and uh, stuff on my arm, yes. She also loves dogs. Chin Chin and Papa, may they rest in peace, her two chow chows from years and years ago. She loves dogs, animals, chickens. She's a great lady. I also want to talk about intersex today and hermaphrodites, long clitori, clitorises, small or a small penis. What do you think? Well, it seems like the doctors just decide for you and uh, turn it into a vag. Why not celebrate large clitorises? Clitori. I don't know. And I was thinking about menopause and getting old and like when you finally, people are like, oh, you don't want to have sex with your dry vagina. Well, you know what? You know, a lot of sexual pleasure comes out of the clitoris, which has nothing to do with the orifice itself, whether it gets wet, you patriarchy fuckbags. Actually, I guess we're the fuckbags and because we're not moist anymore, they're like, ooh, gross. But it's like, uh, you could pleasure us too. Cool. Wanted to talk about that. Wanted to get Latoya's expert knowledge as uh, as our porn expert here because I'm not not a part of what I do a part of my deal but uh, you're listening to the AltaCast I'm in the fills as always is Kope the Japanese Bjork I'd be playing her off the internet but we don't have Wi-Fi right now so I have no idea what's happening good times well thanks for listening we're gonna I'll I'll be back with oh I also wanted to talk about um, immigration and nativism and our old immigration policies and what they used to be and how they changed and now how they're changing again and when they started changing and why and how scary that is. Yay! The world's falling apart. Yay! All right. Well, I suppose that I can get into that while I'm 
waiting for Latoya, the Sheriff of Truth. I can also say, please follow us on Instagram at Mutiny Radio SF. I'm so late to the game with all that social media and stuff. I just, I'm never going to get a smartphone. I mean, I guess that would solve the problem of what's happening right now if I had a smartphone because I'd always have access to the internet because for some reason smartphones are tiny computers that always access the internet. I don't understand because they get all the updates and then you, I don't understand any of it. I, I, I live in the past. But then at least I know what the future will be. <laughs> uh, so this is from an old history book from when I went to college, so like 25 years ago. Coming to America, A History of Immigration and Ethnicity in American Life. And it was actually published in 1990. So it's really interesting to read it 30 years later? Yeah. Uh, and see what how they were understanding uh, the... The past of that past and what we know now and what we don't know and it's in a book guys <laughs> It's in a book. Okay So this is from uh, toward the end of the book uh, the 1980s and beyond and this is the newest nativism And I think that's one of the problems that's happening right now is we're engaging in nativism All this would be merely ironic or even comic if it only concerned bureaucrats, politicians, and border crossers. But unfortunately, it may have the other, it may have other more far-reaching effects. The long and sometimes hysterical debate over immigration policy in the 1980s, in which even the Stead and Scholarly Population Reference Bureau could refer to illegal immigration as, quote, a cancer in American society had helped to create a climate of opinion in which, after a long period of quiescence, ugly nativism was again on the rise. This was not just an American phenomenon, but could be seen in Europe, in the Soviet Union, and in the Far East. In countries as diverse as West Germany and Norway, right-wing parties gained unexpected strength in 1989 by campaigning on anti-immigration platforms. And in crowded Hong Kong, violence erupted between residents and unwanted Vietnamese boat people. In the United States, the Immigration Reform Act, heralded as a way to, quote, regain control over our borders, clearly has not had that result. Thus, whatever its framers intended, it raised false hopes among those already concerned about immigration questions and thus contributed to further anti-immigration animus. Uh, it suggests calling about the uh, Wi-Fi, so listen to some music.
back not just me but the wi-fi is back thank you so much sonic net talking me through i'm an idiot and this lady talked me through it oh god bless them these crazy it people you just press a button i just didn't know which button to press now i know now i know now i know which button to press dear lord is that how easy it is you gotta turn one you gotta turn the right thing off and on and then you're fine what the fuck? I just don't understand technology. I pressed the right button and now it works. <laughs> High five in my damn self. That's me and the lady in Sonic Net. High five and across the phone. Across the phone. Yes. Yes, yes, Y E S. So, good times. I'm texting Suggest. God bless Suggest. Uh, she's the best. She's been, without her, the station would not exist. Shout out to her, the silent, awesome admin helper, co-everything, killing it, giving me the number for Sonic. Got to keep that in there. Sonic, this is the Wi-Fi at the station. It is so hard to be old. I'm telling you, man, not just menopause. I am sweating right now. Although it's kind of hot, so maybe that's not menopause. Maybe I'm just blaming everything on menopause. I'm going to blame LaToya not being here on menopause. Ugh. Well, now at least I can check my messages and see where she is. Uh, all right. Let's get back to this new nativism. All right. Uh, yes, yeah, so the new nativism. The, the newest nativism. It's ironic, yes, and even comic. Uh, The Immigration Reform Act, heralded as a way to, quote, regain control over our borders, clearly has not had that result. Thus, whatever its framers intended, it raised false hopes among those already concerned about immigrant questions and thus contributed to further anti-immigration animus. This animus was chiefly directed against Hispanic immigrants. And a host of interlocking and well-financed pressure groups were stepping up their campaign against immigrants in general and Spanish-speaking migrants in particular. Many of the most prominent organizations were subsidiaries of a nonprofit organization called U.S. Inc., including FAIR, the Federation for American Immigration Reform, the Center for Immigration Studies, Californians for Population Stabilization, and perhaps the best-known U.S. English. While clearly nativist, these organizations do not usually indulge in crude racism that characterized their predecessors in the 1920s. If one examined the testimony of FAIR spokespersons, such as the Washington lawyer Roger Connor of, or the historian Otis Graham, there is none of the overt prejudice that was characteristic of the earlier era, although they are arguing for the same end. During the debate over the Mazzoli-Simpson bills, FAIR and its spokespersons were prominent in the ranks of its supporters, arguing chiefly for an overall reduction of immigration. By the mid-1980s, U.S. English, whose chief stated goal was lawmaking English, 
is a law making English the official U.S. language, has eclipsed other members of the coalition in notoriety and effectiveness. In a number of states and cities from coast to coast, it sponsored successful referenda to make English the official state language, to forbid public employees from talking to one another in a foreign language on the job, and in Miami, recommended the abolition of publicly funded Spanish language language emergency services. Just keeping people unsafe. That's great. A number of American states had already adopted English as their official language. Many of them, such as Nebraska, having done so as a part of the wave of anti-German hysteria accompanying World War I. Such declarations are usually found in state constitutions cheek by jowl with provisions designating the state flower or bird. In many states which have recently adopted English-only provisions, such as Indiana, no numerically significant foreign language-speaking population exists. But in states such as California and Florida, the voters approving them have specific human targets in mind. Founded by the distinguished semanticist and former U.S. Senator Samuel I. Hayakawa, an obscure Michigan ophthalmologist, Dr. John Tranton, U.S. English amassed a large advisory board, including such respected figures as Saul Bellow, Bruno Bettenheim, Alistair Cook, and Walter Cronkite, as well as many who were merely well-known, such as Walter Annenberg and Arnold Schwarzenegger. The multi-ethnic backgrounds and reputations of many of its sponsors were evidence of what I have called, quote, white-collar nativism. Its popular appeal was based both on its reflexive and mindless cultural nationalism. Its literature constantly pointed to the supposedly horrible examination, uh, horrible example of Quebec, Quebec, as an object lesson of what could happen here, and on a genuine concern on the part of some of its. Per- supporters for the improvement of the communication skills of many Americans. But a recent exposure, the true views of its co-founder, Tanton, caused some disarray among its supporters, combining a pseudo-eurudition with a vulgar appeal to prejudice. Tanton asked in a recent essay, quote, in this society, will the present majority peacefully hand over its political power to a group that is simply more fertile? Can homo contraceptivists compete with homo progenitivo if our borders aren't controlled? Perhaps this is the first instance in which those with their pants up are going to get caught by those with their pants down. As whites see their power and control over their lives declining, will they simply go quietly into the night or will there be an explosion? Jesus Christ, if Chanton's vulgarity was merely in bad taste, his use of the term white was an appeal now impermissible in American society. Walter Cronkite and Linda Chavez, Linda Chavez, who had been the most prominent Spanish surnamed person in the Reagan administration, publicly resigned from the U.S. English board, while others may have simply gone too gently into the night. Yet it is clear that Tanton revealed the not-too-well-hidden agenda of most of its white-collar nativists in the 1980s. In the 1920s, the chief targets were Catholics and Jews from Europe. In the 1980s, it was Spanish-speaking and those Spanish-speaking who found themselves in the nativist site. It still exists today. This is 30 years ago, so I'm, I mean, it's just gotten 
worse maybe or more accepted, but different targets were not the only differences between the 1920s and 80s. The general alignments within society are quite different. The 1920s were dominated by struggles between rural and urban elements in American society, between the forces of Protestantism and Catholicism best symbolized by the election of 1928 in which Herbert Hoover defeated Al Smith. On almost every issue that divided society in 1920s, the same forces were aligned. In the 1980s are culturally more complex. While many observers persist in seeing the 80s as solely a struggle between the forces of New Deal liberalism and its conservative opponents, that dichotomy no longer governs many issues. Many of the supporters of FAIR, including its chief spokesman Robert Roger Connor are eloquent in their support of the rights of working people. While FAIR liberals support movements to reorient the American immigration system away from the family-oriented provisions that form its core, conservatives like Republican Senator Orrin G. Hatch of Utah insist that family preferences be maintained. Hatch, on the other hand, has opposed any kind of family planning in all forms of abortion, while many of those acutely aware of population problems, also oppose most measures to increase or maintain immigration, although few are willing to go as far as demographer Kingsley, Kingsley Davis and barred entirely. In 1974, Davis argued, quote, so dubious are the advantages of immigration that one wonders why the governments of industrial countries favor it. One will find few clarifications, but official statements hint that the goals are to fill essential jobs and stimulate population growth. One suspects suspects the actual causes are government inertia and pressures by employee to obtain cheap labor, unquote. Purely economic arguments for continued immigration are better than Davis would admit. The popular writer on the economic and social questions, Ben J. Wattenberg, has argued in his 1987 book, The Birth Dearth, <laughs> and what America needs is not fewer, but more immigrants. Only additional immigration, he feels, can reverse the otherwise seemingly inevitable population decline. Ah! In addition, the obvious graying of the major industrial nations include including the United States, will place almost unbearable pressure on social welfare systems unless either such trends are reversed and event the eventuality that seems highly unlikely or more young, able-bodied, and perhaps highly skilled immigrants are brought in. A very iffy population projection by the U.S. Census Bureau in 1989 projected that part of the population aged 65 and over would rise from a current 12% to nearly 22% by the year 2038. In the long run, despite much recent handwriting about America in decline, West Germany and Japan, among advanced nations, seem much more vulnerable to the problems of graying than does the United States. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Now I feel like I need to look up. They were saying that it was going to double. I think maybe it has already doubled. The, the, um, the baby boomers are all over the place, right? The baby boomers. Uh, who are my parents, the baby boomers, yes. Oh, boy. Come on, LaToya, please come. It's been a half hour. She probably sent me a message, but now that I'm talking to you guys, I can't look at it, which is a bummer. Uh, all right, I'm going to look this up. I'm going to see what the 
what the graying population is. In, in, in 1989, they projected that the 12% over 65 population would be 22% by 2038. But we're coming up on 2020, and this is this is from 1990, so let's let's check it out together, shall we? Because the internet works now. Thank you, you awesome net net people. Oh, I'm gonna be. It's okay. I'm listening to myself, and there's a there's a backlog. Ah, oh, it's so hard. <coughs> oh, today is a difficult day. No Latoya. Um. U.S. Pop, current population, current population over 65. <coughs> All right. 65 plus in the United States census.gov. All right. You show it to me. Oh, I learned that 50% of our homeless population in San Francisco is over 50, which is insane. And evil, if you ask me, uh, give money to the uh, safe, organized space that uh, Amy Ferris Weiss is trying to get city-owned land. Please donate to that. Look them up. Safe, organized space in San Francisco. It's on 180 Turk uh, Jones Street. <coughs> it's an abandoned parking lot that has that's city-owned that has been kind of taken over by some people. But she's trying to turn into a safe, organized space with stewards taking care of uh, everything. Okay, here we go. So this is 65 plus. Uh, but the last... When was the last census taken? Issued April 1996. So this is old. Oh, I just want them to tell me. I can't, I can't look through this whole document. Um... U.S. seniors is a potential, uh, here's of the population, they're saying in 2050 what they think it's going to be. Statista. Ooh, ooh, it really is. Yeah, I got a graph. This is great. So in 1950, the share of old age population, 65 years and older in the total population from, of the total population from 1950 to 2050. So over 100 years. So uh, in 1950, it was at 8%. In 1990, it was at 125 just as they said in this book. Um, right now, in 2018 or 2020, coming up, we're projecting at 16.9%. Uh, and 22% by 2050. In 2040, they're saying now it's 22.6%, which is pretty, it's on, it's on part, hey? It's on part and part of what this book said. Everyone's agreeing that people are getting older. And who are we taking care of? Only the rich people? Is that what we're doing? That's fun. Yeah, aging in the United States population. What happens when you get old? If you have money, I guess you're fine. But if you don't, oh boy. What's going to happen to me? I mean, do kids... Uh, the current estimated U.S. population of 65 and older is... 54,298,976. Someone just had a birthday. Wow. U.S. seniors, 50 million strong. 50 million seniors is more than the population of 25 states combined. But it's all the tiny states. Nevada, Idaho, blah, 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 blah. 
Yep. Projected population growth. So in 2030, they say that there's going to be 71,453,471 people over 65. Wow. What do we do for our old people? Do we care? Life expectancy, right? So I was born in okay, so 1974 when I was born. Uh, females had a 76-year expectancy, but they're saying that in 2010, females live up to 81 years. And that's like, I guess, the mean or the median. I Hey, maybe people will start talking more about menopause. <laughs> oh, God, it's awful. I have a feeling that Latoya is not coming. She must be out of town. I'm so sad. I'm so sad. Old people. This is not as interesting without her. Well, Martha Stewart's old. I think Martha Stewart is like, I'm, in, I'm guessing 75 now? She's 78. Jesus, she's 78. She's so amazing. She's 78. And she's hanging out with Snoop Dogg. It's because she's smoking the weed, yo. She went to jail. Love her. Love Martha. Uh, what else do we want to talk about today? Intersex stuff. Ugh, I don't know. I'm just so happy that this stuff's back up. Snoop Dogg is a natural sushi chef thanks to his years of blunt rolling. Of course. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Martha Stewart aging. Does she have a book on it? Oh my God. I'd like to ask her questions about menopause. <laughs> Living the good long life, a practical guide to caring for yourself and others. Wow. Wow. Wow, Martha. This is an interesting one. This is even the Tao of Martha. My year of living or why... I'm never getting all that glitter off the dog. Wow. Wow. I can't believe that she's written a book on it. And she has her beautiful dog, her, her beautiful chow dog behind her. It's from 2013. Martha Stewart's engaging handbook for living your life your healthiest life after 40 with expertise from doctors, specialists on eating, exercise, wellness, home and organizing as well as caring for others. Dear Lord. She has so many books. She really is amazing. She's engaged all these people to, to work with her and help her. And she has her own publishing company and makes money. And I just, Wow. Yeah, maybe I shouldn't have been a Marxist. She looks great. I can't wait to get a tattoo of her on my arm. <laughs> I think Martha Stewart would also say, don't ever get tattoos all over your arms, you weirdo. That's not, that's not going to work out. Uh, well. Oh, wow. Martha net worth right now. I used to have dreams about if I was going to be become a lesbian, I would definitely try to be Martha Stewart's girlfriend. I and I had a dream like we were in a barn with Clydesdales and it's like, "Oh, you're so amazing." 
and she's 78. Her estimated net worth is around 300 million. That's amazing. 1941, she's older than my dad. Anyway, I love her. Martha's first job after marriage was as a stockbroker, thanks to her father-in-law's profession. Later, her husband and her bought and redecorated an old farmhouse that then became the base for the TV studio for Martha Stewart Living. She showed great talent in decoration and restoration, so she started a catering company together with her friend Norma Collier. Martha later bought Collier's part of the business and continued working by herself. Martha's husband became the president of Harry N. Abrams, Inc., and introduced Martha to Alan Merkin, who was the leading man of Crown Publishing Group. Merkin and Martha had an idea of making a cookbook, and the project came to life in 1982. The book's title was Entertaining, and following the success of the first release, Martha wrote many more books with similar themes. Because she's amazing! And her, her, big, her big book is... Um, I use it. It's like falling apart. I use it so much. I just love it. Well, I gotta say, uh, I'm gonna put up a little more music for a minute and we'll be back. I gotta find out if Latoya is indeed coming or not or what's happening with our lives. But yay, the Wi Fi works again at Mutiny Radio. God bless it. Give us a call, 415 550 0511. Coming up at 2 o'clock on Some Call Me Tim. I'll be interviewing Aaron Lewis, comedian, funny guy, whiskey enthusiast, fan of wrestling. It's going to be fun. Uh, I'll be right back here on the AltaCast. Speaking of suicide, we actually have a, it's coming up on November 1st. It's actually very sad. Uh, Daphne Dorman was a new comedian in San Francisco. She'd only been doing it a couple months and she got called out in that Dave uh, Chappelle special. And then on October 11th, tragically, she committed suicide. So that is uh, an issue that's really close to me. Because I, in high school, tried to commit suicide because I was super Christian and I just wanted to be with Jesus because high school was fucking hard. And to be 100% honest, I haven't felt that kind of personal shame and never being good enough with people who are judging you all the time. I've never felt that since high school until I started doing comedy in San Francisco. Um, it's like being in high school again. There are cliques. There are people who talk behind each other's backs. There's secret Facebook groups for women that I'm not a part of. Anyways, it feels just like when I was a cheerleader and I was like, I finally did it. I get to be popular. I'm a cheerleader. I did it. I did it. I won the high school game. I did it. And then I, 
I was a cheerleader and I was still wasn't popular and people didn't like me. And I'd be like, where are the parties? And I'd be like, oh no, there's no party. And then on Monday, everybody would be like, oh, that party was so fun. And I was like, why do you all hate me? I've never felt like that since high school until now. And so I can understand why, and, but I, I hate it. It's, um, suicide is there's a suicide San Francisco suicide prevention group and they say that suicide is the only death that's preventable and that's a hundred percent true like you never know when you're gonna die your bus could get hit you could something could fall out of the sky there could be a random bullet that could hit you you could be um I mean, there's so many ways that you could, who knows what's happening right now. You could be caught in the middle of a civil war. You could be born in Haiti. You could be super poor and starve. You could run out of water. You could be trapped in a box. You could be sex trafficked. You could, the only, the only way, the only preventable way of not dying is, uh, by helping someone not commit suicide. And the way to do that is to like, talk about it and talk with people and, and be aware, like. Uh, when you're a dick to people, fucking stop it. Christ. Anyway. So there's a fundraiser for Daphne's daughter. She leaves a survivor, a 10-year-old daughter as a survivor. And it is tragic. It's fucking tragic. Um, because I know people who've been affected. It affects when you kill yourself, your problems are over, but everyone else misses you a lot. Like it's always better to be around. Isn't it? Isn't that what, what life is about? I mean, lately in this political times of trial and strife, it gives me sort of like a hope of like, well, if I could be killed at any moment, I might as well just try to live authentically. And it makes me be like, just fight not to die. So don't kill yourself. So we're having a fundraiser on the first for SF suicide prevention and also for Daphne Dorman's uh, child. I'm going to give all the proceeds to her and it would be great if we could like, you know, buy her a bike or something. I mean, I, I mean, it's a dicked thing. It fucking, there's nothing that can replace um, a parent and suicide is a big deal. So Give some money to suicide awareness and talk to people and be kind and compassionate to your fellow man out there and woman, woman, man, bleh, patriarchy. Anyway. Okay. So that's going to happen. So you can come here on the first at eight o'clock. It's a Friday night at eight o'clock. It's going to be um, just a show in her honor. And Yeah. That she also happened to be a person who was trans, a trans person. Not that that should be the first person out of somebody's mouth. She was a person. So, but I don't, I mean, I don't know how to do And I'm like, I'm just a white lady. How do I deal with the issues? I'm just trying to do my best for the group. You know, give what I can. And because I don't have any, I don't have any money to give, but I could give space and I can, uh, you know, I can give time and I can give my labor to different, you know, like that SOS site on uh, 180 
Jones Street. Look it up on Facebook and throw some money at it. Five bucks, 10 bucks. Make a difference here in your own community in San Francisco if you have the funds to do so. Because right now there's just a bunch of people living there in tents sort of behind a chain link fence. And there's um, sort of a, a street justice thing happening right now where they take care. I mean, like a guy held up, he had a sort of a makeshift weapon and he was sort of being the policeman of this area, but there's really unpredictable behavior. And what Amy Farrow Weiss taught me is that when a person has unpredictable behavior, it makes us nervous. But what we need to think is how they have needs and how can those needs be met? How can we meet the needs of the people that live there? And so many of their needs are unmet right now, Uh, whether it be physical needs, uh, housing needs, uh, food needs, food, shelter, medical. There's some crazy stuff down there. There was this lady who had her pants completely off and no underwear and was sort of like playing with her vag on the street. Yeah. Walked by it, didn't know what to do don't know what to do. So I helped um, pick up garbage in the little site and we're trying to make community. We're trying to, Amy Farrow Weiss has raised this $150,000 and she's trying to raise 15,000 more from like the people. And that's what it'll take to turn the space. It would be great. There'd be five tiny homes and those would be people that would live there and they would be the stewards of the space. And when you're a steward, you like take care of the space and keep it safe. And, and you she wants to train people in conflict resolution. So it's like distance, something distance rapport. I can't remember, but she was teaching me the other day. I was just like, wow, she deescalated this thing between two guys. It was really scary. And I was there to witness the whole thing. And it was just like, she's a such an amazing woman and she cares so much and we can care about where we live. And it's crazy because I live like three blocks. I live on, I live right off of Jones and Geary. So this is on Turk and Geary. And so it's technically my neighborhood and I want and people that these are people that live on the street in my neighborhood. And it, if we had this safe, organized space, five people could live there, which would be amazing. But then also there would be a space where people could get services that they needed. It would be staffed with people and it would be a touch point and a safe place for people to hang out uh, because if everyone agrees, I think her thing is like we, she has, you recite an oath to be a steward and it's like, we belong. Compassion is key. There's all of these things. Anyway, she's amazing. Check her out. Uh, Amy Farrow Weiss, but this safe organized space on 180 Jones could be really exciting. It would also be a little mini dog park. Yay. So that, people would have access to letting their dogs go potty and pick it up and have, you know, collection sites there for that. So we don't have dog poop on the street, you know, bathrooms for people. So there's not poop on the street, all of the things that we can, the small things we can do and your $5 can go a long way. So look her up on Facebook, safe, organized space, Amy Farrow Weiss, 180 Jones, do what you can to, change San Francisco in the ways that we can also come here for that uh, show on the first and on the second 
We're having a show that's all about politics. Yay, political comedians at 8 o'clock. That's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, enjoy this next song, and I'll be right back. I'm assume, I'm totally knowing at this point that LaToya is not coming. Poop. Speaking of poop. Bleh. But uh, I miss her so much. Okay, here we go. intern and you could help me I I ask for help more than you have any idea uh, hi I do need your help let's all sing the song M-U-T-I-N-Y comedy clubhouse comedy clubhouse comedy clubhouse together we will bring our jokes up hi 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 <coughs> awesome M-U-T-I-N-Y Comedy Clubhouse <gasps> Do you want to come inside my clubhouse? Yay! Um, hey, uh, there's, a, there's, there's so many clubhouses that it's, it's nice to be inside of. Uh, mine specifically, I haven't shaved it in a couple weeks, so it's really nice and fuzzy, just like a nice, warm, soft blanket. Uh, someone else's hair I want to curl up in is Guinevere Q. Who hasn't been with us? She, I, we, everybody, give it up for yay! Yeah. Look at that—the ambient, the wonderful ambient sounds of crowd. Uh, we have the Wyatt act with us for the first part of the clubhouse, and then we're getting into that crazy open mic that everybody loves so much. So, uh, hey, G. Hello, fantastic. It's great to be here. It's great to have you guys here. The Wyatt Act. Uh, you're going to read us the Wyatt Act, I guess. But I'm sure. I sure am. Thanks, Fantastic, awesome. for having us on your comedy clubhouse. We are the Wyatt Act. We have breakfast, ladies and gentlemen, who is running for Chancellor 2012. So take a chance on the Chancellor. We've also got Professor Capsicum, as well as Government Dam and DJ Sun, Jason Young. My name is Guinevere Q. We're going to play a little set for you tonight, ladies and gentlemen. This first song is called Babies Crying. They came an idea from my spine, climbed up inside my mind. But by the time my senses arrived, I gained a sense of time. Shake a rattle 
lash with no fins. Lashes drop some steam, soak it veins under lids. Here we sleep. color. How embarrassing. Well, don't worry. Now you can paint them all green for that younger, fresher, springtime feel. Don't forget to cover up the roots because aging in autumn is never beautiful. It's bad and wrong. What will the neighbors think? Conceal your shame with Autumn Away. Don't let anyone see your seasons. Brought to you by Breakfast for Chancellor. Vote Breakfast for Chancellor 2012. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to play another song for you now, folks. 
We're going to play Passion Bottles, which is the title of this next song. It's an original Wyatt act. Five, ten, twelve, eighteen. When I saw she was pressing passion in the bottles, little bottles, and the hats are just in passing her tailor who would fail her in the past. And then she laughed, she said, relax, she said, quit wearing pity all over your face. It just doesn't suit you. You gotta be pretty skilled to deal with matters of the will. Not every passion bottler can spin this will, just like when Mills the Don Coyote came to kill. There sure are a lot of destructive passions out there. Now since you ask me, I'd say you ought to be inside one of those bottles. Now the best minds of my generation all rambling no time. Here Allen Ginsberg's howls being swallowed, bottled up inside. Why do you think they call it moonshine? into bottles filled with passion and we're smashing them all open and then asking why they're broken spilling laughter bursting anger to get angry and start laughing cutting back to reattach the shattered glass so pull your pants down turn around and show the moon your ass she was pressing passion into bottles little bottles when i saw her and i've seen her many times her name is suicide suicide by injection of cyanide inside the bleeding cunt but sue for short Sue was born on summer solstice long before bombs with the coldness of all the leaves and all the trees. As was prophecy and written on my kidneys one day, I'll let you read it if we ever find our way back in these bottles, but the movie's so much better than honest. She was pressing passion into bottles, little bottles to spill over. Her mother made love to a sea creature born from the mouth of a river. She pulled her own tongue across the land and lashed back, splash attack. Last women in Nietzsche's last men blink. Don't think, just drink. Bring around the rosy sink. Fuck your sense of accomplishment. It's as if you're checking items off a of Sisyphus's to-do list. Watch, you can bend time with a flip of a wrist. You belong naked inside of this bottle. Maybe with a tiny ship or a message or a sax. I've been clear as saran wrap about bottled passion backs. Look, your eyes don't see your back. Spreading laughter, bursting anger to get angry and start laughing. Disillusioned in the middle of some planets, leaned in many years from morning as she cries for her metaphor, man. To come rescue her like knights and shining stars, so dancers in his disease stress. Without a breath, she came back in reluctance and repugnance, and is what they claimed her when she seemed her battle passion. But now her last been her backwards and she's lying on the floor her mouth a bottle before poor window closed and open door i said more 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 bullshit for the matador passion in the fashion of monks fasting just to be ignored so much ambivalence and apathy seems to be more poison for the passion fiends allow me to introduce myself with a handshake and a tip of a hat I'm the massive manifestations of Dostoevsky's trapped rat. A black hole in one where the asshole sat. A generation to click to act and clap to vote. I'm a dehydrated alligator clawing at the castle from a dried up moat. Good job rehashing that same idea that somebody else already wrote. Better yet, critique it, recycle it, remix it. And don't forget to sugarcoat. And we are 
pressing passion into bottles, little bottles, and we're smashing them all open. And then we're asking why they're broken, spilling laughter, bursting anger to get angry and start laughing. Ever woken up from a dream and wondered if there was a difference? There isn't. It's kismet. There's no justice and no accord. Go ahead and pull the cord, but you're not stopping anytime soon unless the tune you resume seems to haunt you in a Saturday morning cartoon when the sun leaves the room. Please leave the room. Re-enter through the womb. We're getting a little too intimate, a little too fast. Step back, collapse, pressing passion into bottles just to smash. Step back, collapse, pressing passion into bottles just to smash. Step back, collapse, pressing passion into bottles just to smash. Thank you, folks. Once again, we are the Wyatt Act. We're on the Comedy Clubhouse with Fantastic here at Mutiny Radio, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to play another song here. We got Breakfast Running for Chancellor. Don't forget, vote early and vote often. Breakfast for Chancellor 2012. Folks, we're going to play a song for you tonight. Where do we go from here? And it's called Where Do You Go? Thank you.
very much for tuning in, ladies and gentlemen. We're gonna have our future chancellor breakfast. Come on up to the mic this evening. And he's gonna tell you a story, folks. And while he gets up, ladies and gentlemen, I would like to let you all know that we do have a show uh, this Sunday. It's at the showdown. It's on 6th and Market. If you have any interest in checking it out, it'd be a pleasure to see all you beautiful faces. It'll be an electric set. It'll be an electric set. Thank you, Jason Young. The Dead Fish Incident is a combination of three well-known jam bands. (laughs) 
the disturbance of the public peace and being required by any justice by proclamation in the king's name in the exact form of the riot act one george to disperse themselves and peaceably depart shall to the number of two or more unlawfully riotously and tumultuously remain or continue together for an hour after such proclamation shall be guilty of a felony incident. question about uh, that what you read was that really the riot act yes i the... read you the riot act and it's about damn time pamtastic it, but what's it from is it is it like from from back in the days of english stuff or was that like yes uh, the riot act is uh, an illegal action um, that requires people assembled of more than 12 to rock the fuck out <laughs> i believe are the verbatim words <laughs> right on yeah it's Good. A do more wikipedia yay. you guys want to hear one more Tea tree. Tea tree oil. All right. All right. 
This one was, uh, I'm gonna get him all set up here. Breakfast, our chancellor is gonna play a little jam for you tonight. smelly is how it makes me feel when I saw my friend Jessica at the staff of life store and she said tea tree oil what's a caravan spores she said Gotta get school, learn all the rules, 
get up and float. But this ain't no joke. I'm so happy that I found that online. And it's so funny that it came from a Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse from years and years and years ago. So thank you so much, uh, Wyatt Act. Check them out on SoundCloud. Check them out. Download. They've got a new album out, as does Sunk, the other side project of Guinevere Q. No big fucking deal. So that's great. Uh, before I ended up the show, uh, that was great to listen to them there, the Wyatt Act. Thank you so much for being awesome. I wanted to go through the Freedom Socialist Party sent me uh, of the Bay Area, sent me some information, and I wanted to read it to y'all. It's election time again in San Francisco. As your mailbox fills up with campaign ads, the good news is that young people are on the streets in droves calling for system change, not climate change. Capitalism is getting a well-deserved bad rap from workers and students across the globe. And uppity, and uppity women are on the rise, like Puerto Rican feminists who led the way in ousting Governor Ricardo Rossello. Unfortunately, the November, November 5th ballot doesn't reflect this feisty mood. Sadly, the candidates more mostly offer business as usual, and the ballot measures contain several attacks on the 99% that we need to fend off. They offer no viable solutions to the intractable problems of the day, homelessness, police-slash-ice abuse, virulent racism, and unimaginable wealth disparity. That's because these are inherent problems that come with the profit system. Eliminating them requires a whole new way of structuring the economy. Socialism is the feminist, anti-racist, antidote. While we can't win a new worker-run society through the ballot box, FSP believes elections can help expose capitalism's failings and popularize the ideas of socialist feminism. It is critical to vote to make working people's needs heard and to defeat the electoral attacks embedded in the propositions. 
candidates. With all the talk of socialism in the air these days, you'd think that progressive San Francisco would at least have one candidate we could recommend. Sadly, none acknowledge that racism, homophobia, sexism, xenophobia, trans oppression, anti-Semitism, immigrant bashing, and other oppressions are baked into the capitalist system that must be replaced. Dean Preston running for school for Board of Supervisors District 6 calls for democratic socialism. By this, he really means introducing liberal reforms. He only goes as far as wanting to challenge structural inequity so that others can achieve the great financial success his family did. That's not a call to eradicate the profit system. It's an unrealistic wish to nicely reform it. No amount of tweaking can make capitalism work for the majority because it relies on structural inequality, demanding that the majority create wealth for a tiny minority. Ballot measures. Proposition A, affordable housing, general obligation bond, and Proposition E, affordable housing and educator housing. Vote no. Proposition A, this $600 million bond is meant to build and rehabilitate affordable housing targeting extremely low and low income residents, seniors and teachers. Part of the funds would assist middle income residents in obtaining affordable home ownership, meaning public funds would be used to partially pay for private home ownership. The 30 years bond would be paid back through property tax taxes, tacking on 19 cents per thousand dollars of home value, or almost $100 per year on a home valued $500,000. 50% of this property tax assessment can be passed through to renters by their landlords. It requires a two-thirds vote to pass. While the housing crisis desperately needs solving, it should not fall to poor and working-class San Franciscans to pay for it, as Prop A proposes. Corporate taxes should. We call for rent control and creating quality, affordable, sustainable housing that remains publicly owned. We have to disagree with the United Educators of SF and many local nonprofit groups that, and recommend a no vote. Proposition E. The measure is a companion to Proposition A. It would change zoning to allow construction of 100% affordable housing and educator housing on public land and is in neighborhoods where it's currently barred. It would ease restrictions and timelines for developers to allow some mixed use and commercial use. The units would target those earning from 30 to 160% of the area median income with an average of 80 to 100% AMI, which is for family of four, which is 98,500 to 123,150. The target is in part employees of the SF Unified School District and Community College District. We strenuously object to public funds going to facilitate private property ownership and to developers massively profiting from a housing crisis, especially without really even making a dent in the problem. This is a dangerous continuation of the trend of privatization in SF. Let's offer rent subsidies for teachers and for all of SF's working class, because regardless of their profession, we are all suffering. Again, we are in we part ways with the teachers union and other community groups because Proposition E is not the right way to do this. We recommend a no vote. Proposition C, vapor products. Vote yes. This measure would override the complete ban on e-cigarettes, vaping products, passed by the Board of Supervisors in June. Analog cigarettes remain accessible with restrictions. Prop C calls for restrictions on vaping products similar to those on other tobacco products. Except, you now the, the League of Pissed Off Voters say that... The thing is that they're giving the legislation to the, the corporations that own the vaping products. So it's like Jewel decides. So I'm not sure if I agree with the feminist 
Freedom Socialist Party with feminism on this one. I'm definitely a Marxist on the side that I say um, we shouldn't have private property ownership. It should all be publicly owned and everyone should have right to housing. Man, I make under 16 grand a year. So they, I mean, none of, no one's talking about me. I'm, and I'm, I'm like the, and I work, I work every day. I'm like the working poor. It's crazy. So I don't know. I don't know what to do because I, I totally usually side with the league of pissed off voters, but I'm definitely a socialist. So yikes, what do I do now? Uh, Uber and Lyft tax to ease congestion. Vote no. This would introduce a tax of 1.5 to 3.25 on every Lyft or Uber ride or driverless ride in the city to cover improvements to public transportation and for pedestrian and bike safety, traffic calming or other traffic related issues. This excise tax is the result of a compromise with the ride hailing companies who opposed higher general tax originally proposed. We certainly support improved public transportation, bicycle and pedestrian safety and reducing car emissions. But this is not the answer. The tax will come out of the pockets of the riders and won't do enough to get cars off the streets. Workers and students need safe and reliable ways to get to to work and school, but Uber and Lyft should pay. Easing congestion would be best accomplished by a massive public transportation plan, free for all, paid by taxes from corporate profits. Amen. See, now here's the thing. The socialists are like, Everything we're doing is wrong. We're just doing it. The ideas are right, but you're doing it in the wrong way. So they're like, it's so hard because I, I love the bus and the bus should be free and we should have access to transportation and we should be able to go to work and we shouldn't have poor taxes. But the rich people are driving the Ubers and the Lyfts or the riding them. The drivers aren't rich. I say, I say we should impose a tax on people that don't live in San Francisco that are coming in to drive for Uber or Lyft. If you live in San Francisco, you should be able to drive in San Francisco. But if you don't live in San Francisco, you shouldn't be able to take your motherfucking car into San Francisco and drive it around on our streets. There's an extra 750,000 streets, cars on the street every day because of Lyft and Uber. That's almost one Lyft or Uber per person who lives here. I don't have a smartphone. I can't have one. So I'm not part of the problem. Nay, am I part of the solution? But I say the solution is people coming from Modesto to profit off people that live in San Francisco should have to pay a special tax. They should have to pay 20 bucks. Their bridge toll should be $20 and it should go to our public transportation. Right? Doesn't that make sense? God, I should get into politics. I should never get into politics. That should never happen. Uh, Thank you for listening to me today. I'm sorry that LaToya isn't here. I miss her too. I miss her too. We will listen to some Flat Black Plastic because I think it's the best show on the station. Love Scott. Actually, there's a lot of really good stuff now. There's Pop Off is great on Tuesdays with Bear T. Bughouse Square is always amazing. You've got the final hour on Sundays. Balanced Breakfast on Sundays. We've got a lot of great shows here at Mutiny Radio. So I hope that you check out our stuff, man. So I'm going to play a little bit of the breaker commercials. And thanks for listening to this week's AltaCast. Really appreciate that. Yay. Really. Thank you for your support. Donate to Mutiny Radio. Donate to all kinds of things. But seriously, donate to me. Give me, give me some money. <laughs> Help me keep free speech alive in San Francisco. 
Law Tigers, we fight for motorcyclists. We're not just motorcycle lawyers, we're part of the riding community. Law Tigers watches over riders. If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, we'll help you get your motorcycle repaired or replaced and assist you with your damaged gear too. We're by your side every step of the way. With the Law Tigers, you never ride alone. If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, call 1-800-LAW-TIGERS or visit us on the web at lawtigers.com. The Law Tigers, California's motorcycle lawyer. Victor Davis, Harris Law Firm, LLP, 180 Permanent Circle, Suite 300, Sacramento, California, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on MutinyRadio.fm for Let's Watch a Full-Length Movie on YouTube. We watch the best movies that, uh, aren't they good? Well, they're chosen by uh, Here's you. his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Watch
Apply now for the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2020 coming up March 1st through 7th, 2020. But you can apply now through November 30th. 50 shows in seven days, over 50 comics from all around the U.S., and you could be one of them. Go to the Mutiny Radio website, www.mutinyradio.fm. Click the Apply button. Pay that 20 bucks. Donate to Mutiny Radio and apply with your five-minute video to the Mutiny Radio 5th Annual Comedy Festival coming up March 1st through 7th, 2020. Submissions close November 30th. Get those submissions in now. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be... Like in front of an audience? Like other than like squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! Hungry for a burger? Mutiny Radio thinks you'll find the best burger in San Francisco at Counter Offer, located inside Bender's Bar and Grill. Counter Offer's menu aims to please your drunk face. Tater tots are served daily. On Tuesday nights, Counter Offer serves specials off the Taco Bell menu, only better. You can enjoy your favorite Taco Bell item without the guilt. Counter Offer uses only fresh ingredients and never store-bought shit. Special ingredients are made from scratch daily, including beans, ketchup, mustard, habanero sauce, and ranch dressing. Counter Offer even serves vegan mac and cheese. All of this great food is served 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. daily and until 11 p.m. on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Counter Offer is located inside Bender's Bar and Grill at 806 South Van S. Be sure to tell them Mutiny sent you. Counter Offer, baby. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Oh, 
subliminal SF visual and auditory mind control brings you the best, coolest t-shirt and hoodie designs and mind-bending local bands and shows at venues all over San Francisco and the Bay Area. Subliminal SF is here to destroy your sense of normalcy and plant ideas in your skull to make you cooler and a more awesome person. Check out all the badass products at subliminalsf.myshopify.com. That's subliminalsf.myshopify.com. And experience Subliminal SF. in San Francisco comedy scene. Maybe you want time to do jokes. Well, this is the place to do it. Mutiny Radio. We have three open mic a week just for you. Monday's joke workshop from 6 to 8. Come and get four minutes and four minutes of commentary from your comedian peers. Come on Fridays for happy hour 6 to 8 here at Mutiny Radio. All the comics wonderful hilarious people in the scene get to know them hang out do a set have it recorded here and on a podcast at mutinyradio.fm and come in on saturdays from four to six get long sets because no one ever shows up so it's like stage time and people can listen come on by to mutiny radio get your comedy on baby tell me what you think about your situation, complication, aggravation. Is it getting to you? Then tune in live every Sunday from 12 to 2 p.m. to the edge of insanity with myself, Paul Brumbaugh. Kit Marie. Brandon Ray. And Mistress Christine. All on Mutiny Radio. That's right, pcrcollective.org. We'll see you there. everyone's dietary needs they don't have me
July 1946, Paris. In the reception room of that palace on the right bank of the river, a hale and hearty journalist heckled for a quarter of an hour a thin man with deep marks of suffering and privation on his face, who had in front of him a small vase of pink roses. Round about were nearly 100 reporters and observers from all countries. Mr. President, you are a communist, aren't you? Yes, the man replied today. Have you been in the resistance? Ladies yes. and gentlemen, Angelo Lamenti. Law Tigers, we fight for motorcyclists. We're not just motorcycle lawyers, we're part of the riding community. Law Tigers watches over riders. If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, we'll help you get your motorcycle repaired or replaced and assist you with your damaged gear too. We're by your side every step of the way. With the Law Tigers, you never ride alone. If you're injured in a motorcycle accident, call 1-800-LAW-TIGERS or visit us on the web at lawtigers.com. The Law Tigers, California's motorcycle lawyer. Victor Harris, Harris Law Firm, LLP, 180 Permanent Circle, Suite 300, Sacramento, California, 95834. San Francisco Mutiny Radio San Francisco Mutiny Radio Listen to live streaming radio Or download a podcast And you can listen on the go Listen to live streaming radio Or download a podcast And you can San Francisco Mutiny Radio San Francisco Mutiny Radio MutinyRadio.fm Why not make a donation? MutinyRadio.fm Streaming live the station MutinyRadio.fm District of the Mission MutinyRadio.fm MutinyRadio.fm Listen to Or download a podcast and you can listen on the go. San Francisco Mutiny Radio. San Francisco Mutiny Radio. Look, why not go to mutinyradio.fm, hit the donate button, stream them live, download a podcast, have some fun!
I'm Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on mutinyradio.fm for... Let's watch a full-length movie on... YouTube. We watch the best movies that... Uh, aren't they good? Well, they're chosen by uh, Here's you. his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Watch Apply now for the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2020 coming up March 1st through 7th, 2020. But you can apply now through November 30th. 50 shows in seven days, over 50 comics from all around the U.S., and you could be one of them. Go to the Mutiny Radio website, www.mutinyradio.fm. Click the Apply button. Pay that 20 bucks. Donate to Mutiny Radio and apply with your five-minute video to the Mutiny Radio 5th Annual Comedy Festival coming up March 1st through 7th, 2020. Submissions close November 30th. Get those submissions in now. You ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to Joke Workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even going to be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious?